Um, we are heading into a new series called What Could Be, and it dovetails with our hands and feet ministry. And hands and feet, if you don't know, you're new to the church or you've heard that name, not sure. Hands and feet handles everything that mobilizes us outside of these walls. So anything, if, you, if you've been part of day of service, if you've been a part of um, a short-term trip, if you've been a part of anything, any form of like the big tree initiative we did over Christmas, all those things, um, hands and feet overseas kind of moves them forward um, and we get to be a part of them. They, they help mobilize our family to, to go and, and be the church. Um, so, uh, coming up in a few weeks, so the way this works, it's a five-week series. Coming up in a few weeks, um, we will have specifically a night where we launch short-term teams. We're, there's 10 teams going out from Heights this year planned. That, that's phenomenal, by the way. That's growth, and it's exciting. Um, but that's coming, like, week three. Um, that'll be a Sunday night where all that's happening. But So the idea is this is dovetailing with, so the first two weeks are just 30,000 feet. What does the Bible say? What is my part in the kingdom? How does this work? And then it'll start to narrow down specifically to what are some ways that you can join um, the family as we go out and do things. What are, what are some ways that, that you could join that? So specifically, like I said, short-term launches and then um, looking at globally, what do our partners look like and that kind of stuff. And then zeroing down into what locally is going on around us um, that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus too. So, so that's what what could be is that's where we're heading. Um, there is an app called Periscope. And to kick this whole thing off, I want to see if we could put you on screen. That's awesome. Connection lost. <laughs> Reestablishing connection. Okay. Well, you ready? Tyler, I'm going to restart just so you know. What Periscope is, it's a social media app that's designed, designed to take what I am seeing in front of my face. Okay, who's on the internet right now? Anybody on it? There's a hand. There's one honest person over here going, me, it's all me. Um, Jordan, I'm getting connection too poor this time. This has worked both other services, by the way. Huh? Try it without Wi-Fi. Can you guys do me a favor? Well, this is super awkward for me. Could you give Jordan a hand? Because he, he's there every week. And... and hopefully we are... All the prayer warriors right now. Come on, technology. Come on, God. You can use it. Uh, well, I can see you. So, so here's how it works, right? So here's how this works. Periscope is designed to put whatever somebody has in front of them, to put it on a screen that you can log into at any moment, and you can watch whatever they decide to put on it live. So essentially... What Periscope does is takes, hey man, how are you? Um, takes what you are seeing, what is in front of you, the places, the people, the connections lost. But it takes the places, the people, and it puts them for everybody to see, to participate in. 
Somebody loves me even still. It's not. There we go. Um, now, take a moment and imagine your life with a 24-hour periscope. Imagine the places you go. The people you see. Some people are like, don't put me on there. Sorry. You're so funny. Okay. Brad, Brad Streeter, I'm going to break your fingers for sure. Sorry, sorry, 11 o'clock, there will be no worship. He will be a cappella, which might be worth. We all wish we were as cool as Brad. Okay, you're done. So this started last night, right? And I'm going, okay, it's only going to get worse. By, by the 11, I'm like blocking users. All, all church staff members are getting blocked. Um, so here's the thing. It's designed to take what is in front of you and put it for others to see, right? But I want to challenge you. If you had a periscope, just, just take one second. How many people you see in your day? How many, how many places do you go? What does your job look like? What would people see if they could see your job, right? What, what, what does that look like? Because I have a follow-up question, okay? What, what are you seeing? And then ask this, what could be? So in your daily journey... As you wake up, whatever that looks like, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a student, whatever that looks like, right? As you wake up and you begin to move through your day and you begin to move out, what, what could be those places that you go? What, what could be the, 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 your, your role in society and life and what you call work? What, what could be? And here's the thing, okay? The way you answer that question, the way you view your world and the potential that you see is directly linked to and connected in your answer. So the way that you answer is connected to how you start the story and where you end the story, where you begin the story and where you end the story will frame up how you answer this question. What could be? What do I mean? Turn to Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, um, raise your hand. Somebody will bring you one. But Genesis 1, beginning of the book, several pages in, table of contents, a little further than that, and you got it. Genesis chapter 1. The way you answer what could be in everything I see in my life is determined by where you begin the story and where you end the story. Genesis chapter 1. Keep your hand up. Big room. Somebody will bring you one. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. So this is within the creation narrative. This is, this is a, a declaration of how creation came to be. This is God speaking forth and things are coming into motion. It says in verse 11, Then God said, Let the land produce 
vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. So the first thing you get is this word produce, right? Now, now the, the original word is dasha, and it's this idea that within, within creation, God creates a tree, but within the tree, he creates the ability to create more trees. He creates the ability, the word desha is literally to, to sprout up, to come forth, right? So, so from creation, wrapped in creation, wrapped in Genesis 1, is this idea that what God put in motion is going somewhere. It was never designed to stay static. It was designed to move forward. It was designed to sprout up, to, to bring forth, if you like. And so in a Genesis 1 worldview... The world isn't designed to stay the same. The, the idea of hunkering down and keeping things the way they are because they're good, that was never the way it was intended to be. It was designed when God said it's very good. He was making an exclamation that, that this idea that, that creation itself is packed. It's, it's loaded with potential to move forward and to grow and to sprout up to Desha. If you turn over to... I have to turn over. I don't know if you have to turn over. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them. God blesses them, right? So, so he's putting his stamp of approval, his blessing on what he's created. And he says, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Okay, so be fruitful and increase in number. So again, did God design humanity with the idea that there will be two human beings and that's all there will be? No, he's designed it that, that they would be fruitful and multiply. By the way, I'll say it now because I don't know if I'll remember to say it. Genesis 1, a worldview that begins the story in Genesis 1, sees raising families as vital. It sees raising families as blessed by God. If you are a homemaker, right? If your role is raising children in any, any capacity, can I tell you that in a Genesis 1 worldview, it is one of the founding things. It is one of the most important parts. You were invited into it. That makes raising families a very, very spiritual act. Can I encourage those of you that stay home? And the only people you see are little people right now. Be encouraged according to if you start the story in Genesis 1. You have a vital role in the kingdom of God, a very spiritual role. And some days it probably don't feel like it, but you do. Okay, moving on, right? Because it carries on. It says, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Kabosh it, right? That word is kabosh in the original. Kabosh it, subdue it. The idea of subdue is that you would blaze a trail, that you would, you would move forward. And as you move forward, you are, you are laying down a path. Okay, so within a Genesis 1 worldview, creation is, is moving forth. We're told to subdue it, meaning, meaning we're told to take it and use it to create a path to move where? forward. It's going somewhere. There's movement, right? And then the next word is to rule over it. The idea of rule is that, that it would be placed in our hands to, to order, that we would, we would take creation, right? In the original, if you have a, a Genesis 1 worldview as you answer this question of what could be, right? In a Genesis 1 view of the world, our role is to order creation, 
to take what God's put in motion and order it in such a way that it will benefit, it will bless, if you like, the common good of humanity. The idea is that you would go to work with your hands, and as you work with your hands, you do it in such a way that you bring order to creation. As you bring order to creation, it's blessing humanity, and it's blessing creation, essentially, because you're pushing it forward. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. What is introduced in the Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 worldview, if you start the story in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, what you get is this idea that the world is in harmony. And it's in harmony with creation, because you're working creation. It's in harmony with one another, and it's in harmony with God. You are a co-worker with God. You are a teammate with God. You are alongside God, moving this thing forward. He's entrusted to you, if you like. He's invited you to continue creating with him. There's a harmony. There's a teamwork. There's a moving. There's a, I'm on God's side, if you like, and we are moving this forward together. You also get this word called hierarchy. You get created or creator and you get created and it's vital in a genesis one and two kind of view of starting the story what you get is you get a creator who takes the man and he puts him here and he gives him a purpose right you get this creator you get this created there's a distinction between the two so in a genesis one and genesis two if you start the story there what you naturally get out of it what what naturally rolls forward is that things are in harmony. There is a hierarchy that I exist under. And when in that hierarchy, my role is to, to move creation, to craft creation, to, to work creation, to bring order to creation, to move it forward, not keep it static. And as I do, the common good of everyone else will be benefited. At this point... Is there any idea about escaping the planet? Is there anything where they're going, oh, we just have to get to heaven? Where is heaven at this point? Where is heaven and earth? They're, they're together. God doesn't exist somewhere else. God's home isn't somewhere. God, God is in the midst of the work. He's in the garden. He's a part of the garden. He takes a walk in the cool of the day. God's presence is physically there. Heaven and earth aren't these separated, far-off ideas. At this point, what you get in the story is you get a group of people who are excited to be in harmony with God. They exist under a hierarchy with God, and they are moving things forward with who? With God. Genesis 3 enters. Verse 8, or verse 6. Sorry. So at this point now, it gets into... But if you've been around the Bible long, you all know the story that she's tempted. She takes the fruit, right? She's tempted by the enemy, um, Satan, and takes the fruit. And this is what the outcome. When a woman saw, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. When, when she saw that it was good and, and when, it, when it was attainable for wisdom, Something happened. This hierarchy where the creator had provided everything for the created changed. 
And what you see taking place is she now looks to creation to provide what the creator was supposed to provide. What you have take place is instantly this hierarchy is disrupted. There's disruption, right? And what you have, maybe, maybe if we're just, just framing up sin for a moment, we could frame up sin this way, is whenever I get the hierarchy that I'm supposed to be under wrong. What do I mean by that? Well, take, take any addiction, okay? Any addiction on the planet. Addiction is the idea that I am going to look to creation to fulfill something in me that is a desire or a need or a thing that God created in me. So I look to creation to fill it versus looking to the creator to fill it. Take the addiction of materialism, right? Materialism is the idea that, that if I just get that, it will give me some form of satisfaction. If I just get far enough with that, then I'll have some form of identity. I'll have a status where I can gain identity from. And, and so the idea of materialism is if I go to creation and I just gather enough of it and I just structure enough of it for my own good, what begins to happen is I now meet a need in me when all the way along... That need was designed by God for him to step into and him to meet. So, so sin then would be the disruption of hierarchy. It's when I go to creation to fulfill needs that... And you can, you can take that addiction line to... It's, it's when I look to that drink or that whatever it happens to be. You can fill in the blank. Whenever, whenever I begin to look outside of God to fulfill, hierarchy is disrupted. And in this case, she looks to the fruit and says she's trying to attain wisdom... And in the process of attaining wisdom, she goes to creation to get it. And in the process, hierarchy is disrupted. Notice what happens after that. Then the eyes of both of them, verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. At this point, where are they going again? They're going back to creation, going, okay, if we get this, this helps to fix what we're feeling. What we, how, how many times then... How many times, if you take a Genesis 3, if we, if we take this snapshot of Genesis 3, what becomes the focus then is fixing our mistakes. What becomes the focus is I just got to get better. What becomes the focus is I just need to cover up. What becomes the focus is if you don't see that, then you don't know this. Verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Wait. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Wait, wait. So they're, so they're hiding. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was what? Afraid. Afraid. The entire story has changed. If you start the story in Genesis 1 and 2, is there any fear of God? Is there, is there any worry that God might not be for me? Is, is there any concern that God doesn't have my best? Is there any concern that God's going to show up and he, he's going to beat me? Is, is there any concern of guilt? There, there's none of that. In a Genesis 1 and 2, if you start the story in Genesis 1 and 2, you have a God who is for you. You have a God who is loving. You have a God who is provided. You have a God, like the list goes on and on of what this God is. You start the story in Genesis 3, and what you get is that harmony's disrupted, the hierarchy's broken, and God is out to get me. 
So I better get mine before he gets me. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Sounds like a Browns fan, blames everybody else. (laughs) Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So, So instantly what happens is within a Genesis 3 view of the world, I can't trust you and you can't trust me. Because ultimately you're going to be selfish. I heard this in a conversation this week that, a, that a, a young lady had been trained by her dad that unconditional love didn't exist. That is a Genesis 3 worldview. That all of love is based on conditions. A Genesis 3 worldview takes sin and makes sin the primary problem. That if you can eradicate sin, then everything's okay. It, it, it takes sin and makes sin the focus that, that I have to spend my life. Genesis 3, if I begin the story in Genesis 3, the problem is I taint the rest of the story. The problem is if, if, if now sin is the issue, then what do I have to do? I have to figure out how to get rid of sin so that I can escape this planet and go somewhere else called heaven. The idea of escaping the planet and going to heaven began not in Genesis 1 and 2, but in what? Genesis 3. The idea that no one is trustworthy began where? Genesis 3. The idea that I have to get mine and I have to secure stuff for myself and I am now the king of the castle began where? In Genesis 3. If I start the story in Genesis 3 and we take a periscope and I go, what do I see? Then I begin to taint what could be from what I see by it's never going to get any better. Young people, I would live together before you get married because who knows? Nothing lasts. Right. Oh, if if, if you're going to go into that line of work, you better protect yourself because no one's trustworthy. No one's good. Oh, you can have people don't don't let them get too close. You better build some walls because you better keep the walls where high because that will protect you from them because no one's good. You see how it works. If we start the story in three, you see how cynical all of a sudden everything becomes. All of a sudden, I begin to look at the world and I go, oh, everything, everything's about, everything's about me and escaping and protecting. In a Genesis 3, if I begin the story in Genesis 3, church becomes very different. Here's what I mean. If the problem is sin, Jesus changes that, right? If the problem is sin and I'm going to hell because of sin, then Jesus comes in and Jesus saves me from that, which means I go to heaven. But see, if, if that's all the story is, then, then that, okay, so you're saved. Now what? Well, do whatever you want. If you start in Genesis three and you end the story before the end, that's what you end up with. I ended up with a gospel that was that here's how I know. And as a teenager, I'm sitting on a, on a bench one night, blind, drunk, And in the process of my drunkness, I am communicating the gospel to my friend, telling him how much he needs Jesus. And when he says, why, guess what my answer is? Because you got to go to heaven with me, bro. What was my theology? 
Jesus was for escaping the plant. Jesus is fire insurance. And so here's how it works. You may have been handed this, right? So if you start the story in Genesis 3 and you end the story early and you, you take Jesus in that context, then church becomes something you do on a weekend, meaning you walk in church and you put on your Christian hat and you do your Christian thing. And really what you're doing is making sure you and Jesus are still good. You're checking in on your fire insurance, right? Making sure that's all good. And then you leave, you take off the hat. And now the rest of the week is what? mine to, 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 cause I got to take care of me. And then I come back and I do my Christian thing. And maybe, well, how do you, how do you think church became this place where you go and you repent? I come in on a weekend and I repent everything and then I'm good. And I go on for another week and I come back cause I got to repent again. Cause I got to make sure me and Jesus are good. Right. Cause I got to escape the planet. I don't know about you, but that's depressing. If I start the story in Genesis 3, it changes everything. Because in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it begins with harmony between man and God. It begins with a hierarchy where God exists and he is the one that puts me in my place. And he is the one who defines purpose. He is the one that meets my needs. It, it puts me in this, this place where, where he invites me into continue creating and moving forward what he started. He invites us in. But here's the thing. Depending on where you start the story will depend on where you think it ends. And for Jesus, Jesus, Jesus breathed into this. If you turn to Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, first book of the New Testament. Just over halfway through the Bible, you'll find Matthew. Actually, a little further than halfway, three quarters. Matthew chapter 19. So Jesus begins to talk about the end, right? Jesus begins to talk about where this is all heading. Because, excuse me, if I, if I start in Genesis 3, then I've got to be honest with you, this isn't heading anywhere good. This, isn't, this is never going to get better. It's going to destruct and it's going to burn. And, and that's where you get the messages, turn or burn and that whole thing, right? So what did Jesus think? Is that what Jesus saw as what? And so Jesus begins in in chapter 19. We'll start in 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of what? All things. At the renewal, at the renewal of all. All things. By the way, that, that literal interpretation of all things is all things. Wait, 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 wait. All things then would take it all the way back to Genesis 1, to the start point. At the renewal of what? All things. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, at the renewal of what went wrong in the garden. He says that the renewal of all things, he's casting it all the way back. So, so for Jesus, when he talks about the end, he talks about the renewal of all things, the bringing back. So, so that's, that's Jesus. Turn over to Acts chapter 3. And Peter's in the midst of, of, of telling the story. And Peter begins to talk about the end. And so Acts chapter 3. A few books to the right. In verse 21, it says, heaven must, and you can read the context later, but heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to what? 
restore how much? Everything. And so the time comes for God to restore everything, and as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So, so in, in Peter's view of the, the story, Peter's going, hey, this ends with God restoring everything. It ends with God bringing it full circle. Jesus talks about the renewal of all things. Paul, another pretty big character, Colossians chapter 1, he breathes into it. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. And it's, the context is it's speaking about Jesus, right? And, and so, so you've got Jesus now saying the renewal. You've got Peter saying the restoration of, all, of everything, of all things. And, and now you have Paul who breathes in. In verse 19, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile, to make right, to bring back together to himself all things. So, so, so in this context, you have Jesus, who is renewal of all things. You have Peter, who's restoration of all things. You have um, Paul, who is reconciling all things. And, and, and that's why you get language as you go into 2 Corinthians, right? It begins to talk about us. And it begins to say things like, the, the, the you old is, has what? Passed away. And the new has come. It's present tense. The new has come. Right. And and so it continues on in that passage and it uses this word that you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Wait a minute. We just heard that word where where Paul said that he's reconciling all things. You're given the ministry of reconciliation. God is using you to what? Bring back what has been lost. You see how big how much bigger the story gets when you begin to go, where does this thing end? Because if I know where I'm ending, then I know how to move forward. Agreed? So as, as you begin to work through this, Revelation chapter 21, all the way at the end of the book, second to last chapter. So we started at the beginning of the book. We're going all the way to the end. Revelation 21 and verse 1. John is now talking about what he sees. He, with his own eyes, he's seen this, right? He's been given a vision by God, and he's saying, this is the end. You want to know the end? This is what it is. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the who people God's dwelling is now among the people he will dwell with them the end of this isn't about escaping as much as it is engaging with the very presence of heaven now where on earth harmony has been restored God will dwell with his People, harmony is restored. He sits on a throne. Hierarchy is restored. You see what's going on is God is renewing what? He's not worried about just getting rid of your sin. He's worried about, hey, are you going to join me in this beautiful journey I have for us? Are you going to step out? Are you going to be willing as this thing moves forward to be the person who steps up and goes, I can't wait to move forward. 
Because where it ends is, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end. Where you begin and where you end changes everything about how you'll answer this. Where is it going in your world? Because the story I read begins with God who creates and says, I want a people who will live in harmony with me. I want a people who will fall under this hierarchy that is good for them, that finds purpose for them and meets all of their needs. I, I want a people who will join me, that will take this created order, that will take it and form it in such a way using their gifts and talents, and they'll bring order to it. And as they bring order to it, it's going to bless the common good around them. He ends the story saying, I've renewed everything back. And in the middle... He sends Jesus to save you, to rescue you. Yes, he died for your sin, but he died for your sin that you may be made new. That you could come in and you could step forward into his story. It's not fire insurance. It's an invitation to join in it, join him in what he's doing. It's an invitation to take your gifts and your talents and your beauty and your brain and everything that is about you. He wants to take it and he wants you to begin to order creation in such a way that it blesses the common good around you. That it pushes creation forward. Can I speak for one second to business people in the room? In a Genesis 1 and 2 worldview, or a Genesis 1 and a Revelation 22, a full story view, your role is so important because it's found in Genesis 1, business people. In Genesis 1, it talks about that you would rule, that you would subdue, that you would take and you would bring order to created things, to provide services and goods. And you would do it in such a way, we, 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 as a church, and I'm talking like the church, so often we beat up business people because what we do is we say, this what I do is special, this is, this is spiritual. But what you do, nah, that's just work. Can I tell you that if you view the Bible as beginning in Genesis 1 and ending in Revelation 22, as a business person, your job is equally as spiritual. You know why? Because you're invited into the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, you take your gifts and you take your talents and you begin to order that part that you're good at. And you order it in such a way and you go, you know what? I'm going to do this at a price that's fair trade. I'm not going to try and rip anybody off. I'm not trying to get what's mine because I want to be in harmony with what I'm doing. And I want to be in harmony with my creator. And as you do that and you provide those services and you begin to bless the community around us, you are in harmony and in sync with the full story. You see how beautiful it becomes. Your, your, what you see as a job is the most spiritual moment 
It's or not the most, but it's a spiritual moment. Just as spiritual as sitting here and raising your hands in worship. You are vital. Can I give you a couple more? I'm over by two minutes, but can I give you some more? You ever have that moment inside of you and you go, this just isn't right. Let me give you an example. There's not enough beds in our community for all the kids that need homes. And something inside goes, it's it's not right. And some of you begin to, to order and structure your world to just begin to help any way you can. That's found, that's found in the story of God. That sense of justice is you going, the world isn't ordered right. If we just structured it and stewarded it right, there would be enough beds. God's going, I provided enough beds, just steward them right. People dying of starvation. Do you know the planet produces enough food? We just don't steward it well enough. People don't have to starve. And somebody has to join the creator in this, in this large story going, I will take my part and I will take whatever I can and I will order and structure so that we may make a difference. Because that's what the story tells me I'm a part of. You know when you hear that there's not enough water and you're like, that's not right, man. I turn my faucet on and water comes out. God goes, I gave you some brains that could figure out filters in third world countries. Now go to work. And as you begin to take your brain and you begin to go, well, if we put that piece there and that piece there, you're ordering creation. That's Genesis 1, y'all. And you order it in such a way and it filters and somebody can have a drink that couldn't have a drink before and they stop dying from stupid diseases that God never intended. All of a sudden we fall in this amazing harmony with the story of God. And so let me ask you, if I put Periscope on again and I begin to look around the room, look how many lives are here, church. Look how many lives are here. And if we would approach our life with a Genesis 1 and a Revelation 22 worldview, that this is about way more than just Jesus saving us from our sins. This is about, about joining Him in what He's doing. If we would enter into that and begin to answer the question, what could be? That's a pretty big dream. And that will change the planet. Don't believe me? Let's change Prescott first. Amen? God, we come before you. We read about a God who sits on a throne. A God who rules, who has a kingdom. God, and he has a bunch of people who serve him. God, may I declare for us as a church, we are your people, God. Would you burn in our hearts the view you have when you answer the question, what could be? Would you wake us up tomorrow or maybe tonight somebody's got to go to work and would you give them fresh eyes of what could be? God, would you make their role so vital because they see it as fitting into your kingdom, your story? God, you want to bring renewal. You want to bring harmony and hierarchy and you want, to, you want this moment where they get to co-create with you and move it forward. God, would you give all of us fresh eyes for what we do? 
God, we just simply join you in your view of what could be. We love you and everybody said, Amen.